I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Luke Condor, and that's with a K. Get it right. And I'm joined <laughs> by uh, a Mr. Daniel Wilcox. That's Wilcox with a cock, so get that right. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> that will sound crude to some people, but the amount of people that spell my name wrong is insane. So, the right yeah, it does, it, it does actually have phallus in it, so... Get it right. <laughs> what, what a tone to start this episode. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Joanna Ben probably going to listen back to this episode as well. Be like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, man. So, how's it going? Today, we're going to be interviewing Joanna Penn. She's obviously a big name in the indie publishing world. I interviewed her about three years ago. I met her about three years ago. And I, I wonder if she's going to remember me. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, what a hook. Yeah. You have to find the answer by listening to the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all good, man. So how how's your writing week? How how creativeness? Yeah, so I have just... Actually, I just wrote an essay. Well, I say it's an essay. It's like a blog post come essay. Mm. Um, and I was trying to, like... I'm just not very good at writing nonfiction. <laughs> it just doesn't come as easily as writing fiction. Like, I don't... I feel like... Um, I can sort of force myself to get into fiction writing mode, but I don't quite know how to do this yet. So I guess, yeah. um, I guess it's, you're, it's you're almost quite self-conscious because you're, yeah. it's you. It's, it's, it's not you putting a voice to someone else. It's you talking. Yeah. You're not acting as another character. You're acting as yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're quite good in the, uh, the lighthearted copy for sales pitches and, and newsletters and stuff, but obviously it's a bit of a different tone to go into sort of straight nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I made like a little video for it as well, um, whilst at work. <laughs> so um, uh, I'll put it online at some point and we'll link it up so people can can see that. Uh, but it's uh, interesting. It's what well worth you? a listen. It's really good. What have you, you, you been writing? Um, yeah, so I think <clears throat> just while I remember as well, we should probably acknowledge that we, we did miss last, last week's uh, air date because we've both been super busy people launching Lazarus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of that half of the original Project Dan complete. Yeah, Project Dan complete, yeah. So that's phase one of Project Dan's yeah. done. Yeah, Which, wow. What's that, like a year later? 
Almost and, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, with three novels in the end behind us as opposed to just the two that we were gunning for. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> wow. So, yeah, we're launching that. The launch has been... Um, it's been reasonable. Obviously not the takeoff that we'd like, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of a growing experience. And with every book launch, we're getting better numbers. So that's yeah. what we're after. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you got a cough as well? Because I've got a terrible cough, like a really tickly one. <laughs> I've had it for like... <coughs> A few weeks now where it just won't shift yeah me too i've got, my, I've got some uh covonia so i'm hoping that'll oh, help, just, help me in the interview just, yeah just hand that through skype for me yeah actually you're drinking yes. it now <laughs> okay um so, yeah so, it's been all all systems go on the book launch it's been quite fun good good have you got a big whip yeah so mine is um have you read mr mercedes by stephen king uh no but i know the tv show is on yes the on the world in the world right now is it on on the box on the box that's the one yeah so um i didn't actually know anything about it until i think it was on friday i read the book about oh it was around christmas time um very much enjoyed it and then it was a colleague at work actually told me that it was being turned into a tv show and yeah. the first aired last friday so i watched that over uh, over the weekend and it's it's really weird because i mean stephen king's obviously a very descriptive guy so you kind of know what you get in the minute you start reading stephen king but it's the first time i've read um, I've watched a a direct sort of translation of a book to a film or a TV show, and literally the characters are as I envisioned, and the locations are as I envisioned, and yeah. just the tone of it is all literally bang on. Like this, there's a scene with I won't spoil this for anyone, but there's a scene of like a guy in a basement. I'm like, that's that's the basement I saw, and there's a part of like the guy, the main uh, detective, Bill Hodgins. He's got a lazy boy armchair. And just his house, I'm like, that is exactly how I pictured it. It's that's, quite, it's that's, quite creepy. Uh, shows uh, Stephen King's skill, I think, in it, and able, he's able to sort of paint these pictures uh, in your mind quite well. And it's a very direct yeah. translation as well, because I know a lot of people complained about um, Under the Dome, which was a TV show came out last year, the year before, and yeah. how it kind of sways quite far from the book. But this seems to be spot on so far. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so my big whip is. Me and you were on the self-publishing podcast um, last Friday or something, um, which is kind of insane. You know, um, they're big influences for us, big inspirations. Those guys, uh, Johnny, Sean, and Dave, and it was kind of it was weird because I think because I've been listening to them so long, I feel like I know them quite well. So when we got on that call with them, it was almost like chatting to friends. <laughs> I don't know. It was really weird. Yeah, I mean, we did the boot camp, didn't we, and and other things. So they they'll set up regular events where they have people join them on on cam. Obviously, yeah. they're not the audience, but they'll be on cam. But yeah, so we've we've interacted with them on on some level before, and like you say, they're quite big influences. But it was quite surreal. It was yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and I think we got to, we got to like talk about Hawk and Cleaver and all the stuff that we're doing. And uh, mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. It was uh, it's interesting. So um, I definitely want to link to that when that's online. I mean, it's on YouTube now, but. Um, might not be in the podcast. I'm not too sure, but uh, that that was uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just cool guys, and I think the the thing that um, came across in the interview for me was that we're all guys that just like to tell stories, and yeah, some of the ways that we tell stories, and I know we acknowledge this in the interview, a lot of the ways that we tell the stories or get our points across are similar, but then yeah. we also have a lot of stuff that we're doing that um, those guys are sort of doing their own thing as well. So, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I think we're all warmed up. Ready? We're all ready for the interview section of the show. Uh, so is there anything else we need to tell, tell the audience? Buy Lazarus on Amazon and 
go on hawkandcleaver.com forward slash oh i don't know if it, no the promo will still be live if so we have a promo on hawkandcleaver.com forward slash promo where we're currently giving away 12 free poster park and horror books until the 23rd of august um so if you have time jump on it there two of the books are ours the rest of them are just fantastic other authors um including justin sloan who's been on the podcast before um and grab yourself a free book cool okay right let's uh let's talk to joanna So today we're joined by Joanna Penn. Joanna Penn is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers under the pen name J.F. Penn. She also writes inspirational non-fiction for authors and is an award-winning creative entrepreneur and international professional speaker. And her site, thecreativepen.com, is regularly voted one of the top 10 sites for writers and self-publishers and also one of my favourite websites I've ever been on. Welcome to the show, Joanna. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. And thanks for having me, guys, on the show. I'm very excited to be here. It's always good to catch up on audio. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, thanks so much oh, for, yes. for it's spending exciting time. Here. Yeah. So, Joanna, what are, you currently, yeah. what are you currently geeking out on? What are you watching, reading, or, or is there any sort of technology you're, uh, you're loving at the minute? Well, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about this. I, I, in terms of watching, I am I'm one of those people who's waiting for Game of Thrones. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know, here in Britain, we're sort of waiting for it. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, but in terms of geeking out, I've been I'm reading a lot because um, the latest fiction novel I'm writing is about maps and yeah, cartography. Yeah. So I've been reading a lot of books on cartography and, you know, there are actually map books everywhere in shops. So people are really into the sort of physical maps. And it's interesting because, you know, I read digitally so much that it's lovely to actually get these sort of big photo books with all these beautiful maps on. And um, you can actually get a lot of the old maps, like the Map of Monday, which is like a thousand years old online now. So I, I've been sort of ge- geeking out on, on that type of thing as I, I try and um, finish this fantasy novel and also try and come up with some cover designs. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of time looking at, at antique compasses and <laughs> random yeah, things yeah. like that and putting them all on um, Pinterest. So that's a bit of a tip for people. Um, I use Pinterest and I have one board per novel. And as I'm writing the novel or researching, I'm, I'm saving images onto Pinterest, which does two things. Like one, it sort of gives a, a physical, you know, visual view of the book. And you can, I share that on Twitter and Facebook along the way. It kind of gives my readers and, and fans something to look at. And also, it, you know, it's marketing. So once that page is done, um, once that board is done and that book is done, I link to it in the show in the show notes in the in the book on the Podcast notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah in yeah. the notes at the back and then people can kind of go and see the things that I was writing about um which I, I think is pretty cool so I, I'm always geeking out on on new th- new things but at the moment I'm yeah I'm kind of stuck in ancient cartography <laughs> what, what, what set you on maps in the first place I think this one's been boiling away in the background for a little while now hasn't it yeah, well, I moved to Bath out of London and where we live uh, in, in Bath is quite a big antique map community and which is, again, kind of odd. And there's a map shop around the corner. And, uh, you know, I, I walk past it almost every day when I go to the cafe where I, I write in the mornings and I was looking in the windows every day. And I was like, oh, what if what if, you know, you inherited a map shop? And then what if you found you could actually like travel through maps? And I think this has also come about because um, that the, the theme of borders we went to israel last year and you know borders are a really big deal in israel and the west yeah. bank and then obviously we had the brexit vote and uh, you know uh, not not to get political <laughs> but you know, i have some feelings about that and so uh, a lot of this stuff around borders and where you can and cannot go is sort of the underlying 
theme and the traveling is something I do all the time and, and you got I mean you guys know traveling is not so pleasant anymore I mean getting somewhere is a bit of a nightmare so so I just had all these ideas bubbling around and yeah it does feel like it's probably been a, almost a year now since I started thinking of the ideas um and the book hopefully will be out by Christmas 2017 so that's is, the plan yeah. <laughs> is there I a- find it quite interesting that you say that you're, that there are big map sections down these bookstores because I can imagine it's almost like they probably do have everywhere in, in Lincoln where I am but it must be that moment when you go out looking for a car and it's only when you start particularly looking for a model of car that suddenly you see them everywhere. Yeah I think you're right um, and you know you definitely start noticing these things. The other thing is about language which is fascinating and um, another topic I'm researching at the moment is um, financial investments which just you know I was always so <laughs> bored by that but um, you know it's it, the language of cartography, the language of finance also, you know, the language in any kind of subgenre um, keeps people out. And one, once I started to learn the language of cartography, like even something like the compass rose, which is the the compass they draw in the corner corner of a map. I didn't know it was called a compass rose. That's a really and that, name. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. And they're not always roses. Obviously, they're all different things. And that's where there are there are little cartouches and emblems and creatures and that type of stuff is really cool. So when you start delving into something, and, and I really love the research process for for my fiction. It's so important to me. It's what it's kind of what I love about being a writer. <laughs> so yeah, when you when you start learning the language of a, a new topic, you can actually go much deeper in your research online because you almost know what to search for. Well, wow, and we're in the age now where you can like get on Google and just start sort of uh, exploring this kind of stuff just from your. I mean. I do this from my home and my bed and stuff, but you actually go to these places, right? You you travel a lot for, for your research. Yes. And again, that's, you know, when I looked, um, when I was in my miserable day job back in the day, uh, working as an IT consultant, when I, uh, Tim Ferriss came out with the four hour work week, um, yeah. you guys remember that? And, yeah. and he, he talked a lot about lifestyle design. And when I thought about the lifestyle I wanted, and I, again, I think this is really important for people to think about, you have to think about the lifestyle you want in five years time and in 10 years time. Because actually, if you keep like writing books or you keep blogging or you keep podcasting, you can actually create this future. So you have to decide what future you want because otherwise you might just end up there. <laughs> um, so I decided back then, I was like, okay, what do I really love doing? I love reading, I love writing, and I love traveling. So what, what, what job or what can I do with my life that will enable me to do those things? Oh, yes, and earn really good money. <laughs> and that's how I got into being a writer and blogging and podcasting and all that, um, was basically trying to design a lifestyle where I could travel as a tax-deductible thing, <laughs> you know, for my business, um, and it would support my writing habits, um, but also my traveling habit. So, yeah, the other yeah. Th- yeah. sorry, I've got... I've got- loads of books next to me here um looking at the next uh, research trips for 2018 starting to plan that wow it's one of those cheeky little bonuses of uh, being freelance i guess but i mean a lot of your successes as you said on your podcast for people that haven't listened to the creative pen um podcast yet the how long has that been running for now and what would you say to the joanna pen that was be- about to launch the creative pen podcast uh, blog sorry 
<laughs> well, well, I started the blog in December 2008 and I started the podcast in sort of spring 2009. So it's actually one of the oldest sort of podcasts around writing yeah. <laughs> or, or one of the oldest podcasts full stop. You know, was, was it even called podcast then? Or was it Not really, not really. There was <laughs> um, podiobooks.com was around so that the word pod was included in things. But podcasting was, was it was very new. It was kind of like download audio was was what people would say. Um <laughs> But, be, but um, just to be amusing, you know, we're talking on Skype. Um, the first interviews I did for probably the first couple of months, I would phone people up on a like a landline and put them on speakerphone and hold a recorder you know, <laughs> in front of the phone. I'm just that trying to remember. Must have been amazing. I'm just trying to remember what a landline is. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. So, I mean, we're, w- this has happened all over the, the the internet in terms of the spheres we work in, like podcasting and being an all, you know, but back in 2008, there was no international Kindle. So this is what's so crazy. You know, when I started my website that, you know, you, there wasn't an international Kindle that came um, the following year as well. So it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, we're, that I've been around long enough for that. But but you sort of going back, I think the most important thing is I didn't start what it is now a multi-six figure business I didn't start doing you know I didn't start a podcast in order to make money with a podcast or to have you know tens of thousands of listeners that's not where you start (laughs) what you start with is what will I spend my time on when nobody is listening no one is watching nobody cares (laughs) that's Um, the pain of the journey isn't it exactly so I really you know I I that was my third blog the creative pen was my third blog so I I had started two more and let them go because I got bored and uh, that was the third one and another tip is um, calling it the creative pen is very it was a very good decision but as I said it was my third one because the other ones were so niche that like the first blog was around career change and the thing is as soon as you do something around career change or whatever you are hemmed in and if you start changing your mind as to what you actually want to do it's very hard to continue so I'm really happy with the creative pen because I can just use it for the rest of my life for whatever I'm doing (laughs) Uh, because it's you know about me so I think you know looking back I would just I would say to me then or to anyone starting now is you know just go ahead and start and don't worry about what's going to happen you cannot possibly see where you're going to be in 10 years time but what you can do is you know aim for the future that you want and it might just happen so I didn't even consider that I would write fiction back in 2008 2009 I was a non-fiction writer so uh you know things have really changed so uh, what was the so what was the first uh, but the nonfiction, but was that called career change? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. And so, at what point did you go? Okay, I want to do some fiction now. I'm tired of talking about real stuff. <laughs> I want to <laughs> dive into my fantasy. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't so much that. It was that after I'd been, um, well, after I'd been doing the creative pen for a year. So again, this was back in back in 2008, 2009, when self publishing still a dirty word um when you know it just wasn't socially acceptable at all to self-publish and you know there weren't the, the kindle millionaires of 2009 2010 um john locke and amanda hocking you know people who we don't even hear about anymore um you know they, they were starting to come on the scene in america but the the kindle hadn't gone international and i was living in in australia um at the time so basically i had this blog and i was blogging about how to self-publish and 
I, I was just kind of bored on that topic. And, you know, I, I kind of still am. I mean, how to publish really is the <laughs> tiniest bit of our journey. The interesting bit is the writing and the marketing, mm -hmm. which are the, the two big things that people spend their time on. Publishing takes, you know, an hour. <laughs> it's everything else. So I was like, okay, how can I I want to carry on this blog, but what else can I talk about? And so I thought, well, I could consider fiction. And then and I thought, oh, I'll do, um, I'll do NaNoWriMo. <laughs> and then I'll kind of, you know, I didn't take it seriously at all. And so I did NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, coming up in November every year. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I started writing then. I also had a guy on my podcast, Tom Evans, who said to me that I probably had a block around fiction um, because, you know, I went to Oxford University and my mum was an English literature teacher. And, you know, I basically had this feeling that if you were going to write a novel, it had to be, uh, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning or Booker Prize winning literary fiction. And that, you know, that's just not true. So as soon as I got over that block and thought, you know what, I just like reading thrillers, I'll write a thriller like Dan Brown. Um, and that's what I started doing. And, and I'm now I have nine books in the Arcane series now and loads of other books but you know that's that's how I started so you know it pretty much was I need something to blog about so why don't I learn <laughs> about it? and also you know just getting over that block which is so important. So obviously you've got quite a, a balance of, of fiction and non-fiction works how much do you find your non-fiction works support your fiction and vice versa um, and is non-fiction something that all writers should sort of work on in some capacity in your opinion or is it kind of each to their own on how they want to work? Yeah, so again, it's kind of interesting. So I use two different names or three different names, but um, Joanna Penn does my nonfiction, JF Penn does my fiction, my thrillers. Um, and I I certainly don't think that fiction authors need to write nonfiction. It's not necessary. The main thing for you to consider is what is your definition of success? So I know fiction authors who make seven figures and, you know, six, seven figures, there's a very good income for anyone. <laughs> so um, you do, certainly don't have to do nonfiction. Now, I write nonfiction. I mean, as I said, I started with nonfiction. Um, my original career goal was to sort of be a British Tony Robbins <laughs> sort of <laughs> self-help guru. <laughs> so I really have one side of me really enjoys the self-help genre. And I read a lot of self-help that, you know, in terms of if you looked at my bookshelf, half of it is self-help and self-development and all of these habit things and productivity. And, you know, so I I like I like reading that and I like writing that and the other half is thrillers and I, I like reading and writing those so I certainly think it's more about your personality and what you want to do with your own creative um, juices as such and it, again if you have ideas about it I mean I have I have a lot of ideas for non-fiction that I want to write as well as fiction so for example this winter I've been waiting for uh, for Saturnalia as such I'm, I'm going to be working on a book on on the shadow and how writers can use the shadow in their writing and kind of tap into that darker side and look at Jungian psychology and and all of that. I mean, which is something, self-censorship is something that I think writers need to get over. And I do as well. So these are things, you know, I, I'm fascinated by that. So I'm, I think I'm always going to write nonfiction as well. But um, in terms of crossover, it's very interesting. I would say only about 5% of my nonfiction audience crosses over with my fiction. So this is a very good reason why having two separate author brands, two separate websites, two separate email lists, uh, I think is important. Some people say it isn't, but personally, I think it is because the way I talk to my fiction audience is very different to the way I talk to my nonfiction audience. You know, 
the, the, again, coming back to language, the language that we're using on this show is not the language we would use if you were interviewing JF Penn and we, our audience were, were thriller readers, you know, it'd be a very different conversation. So I think targeting your, your customers and your, you know, appealing to the right audience is really important. And even just the fact that on Amazon and, and Kobo and iBooks, my author name is only linked to my fiction or only linked to my nonfiction is critical for things like algorithms and um, machine learning. You know, I think, I think it's just really important. So I like doing them both, but certainly not necessary. If you were, this is a difficult question. If you had to choose between one or the other, would you, which side would you choose, and could, could you? No. Who, who could you kill off? <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> I clearly wouldn't choose. I mean, I think about this all the time. Here's a here's a big tip for people: don't do what I do. <laughs> it's so much work. I mean, and also I've got this this third pen name now. Um, writing sweet romance with my mum, and you know, I <laughs> I kind of I helped her with her first book because you know. She's, she's 70 and she needed a bit of income and she likes writing. And I was like, hey, mum, why don't you write a romance? So, But I've given myself a third job, so it's kind of crazy. So definitely it's very hard to maintain several brands. But if, again, if your personality is like that and you, you feel like you can't do anything else, then then go for it. Do you feel, do you feel <laughs> like they, um, not, so you say it's, uh, it's not more work, sure, but do you feel like they uh, feed energy into you to inspire to, to, to go to the other pen name so maybe you get so far with jf pen and you're feeling a little bit drained on there you'll it'll give you the energy to jump over to the other pen name does that make sense yeah it must yeah. be nice to have like a release valve yeah yeah <laughs> i i'm not sure i'd call it a, re- a relief uh, valve i mean it like at the moment um i i mean i try and schedule my time properly but inevitably i fail so this week i'm editing uh the map book for jf pen next week i'm editing a sweet romance with my mom and when I get back from holiday I'm away for a week walking which I'm really looking forward to um I will be um doing the first draft on a new non-fiction uh, called The Healthy Writer which is uh, which I'm co-writing with a medical doctor so I'm like what am I doing this is crazy uh, so I do I do normally try and take a bit more time in between the pen names but um yeah it's it's a lot of work. But then again, that's what I was saying about creating your future. Inevitably, if you start another pen name, you have to do all the work that you would have to do, you know, with the name you have. So for example, Twitter, I'm quite active on Twitter at the creative pen with a double N. And I thought about, should I set up another one for JF pen? And I did years ago, but I just let it slide because I just can't maintain multiple, you know, things. I do have different Facebook pages, different websites, etc. But I behave quite differently for each pen name. So it's definitely hard to manage. Um, but for me, it's, it's worth it. So, um, so one of my uh, favorite things that you, that you do on the creator pen is you have these like yearly reviews and yearly sort of goal posts and, and that kind of thing. Um, so when you say you've got, have you got like 10 year goals that you're sort of working towards every year? Like how, how does your goal setting um, work on your side? Because I know it's such a big part of what I do. Uh, for, for my own sort of success if I have any uh, so how, how does that work for you um, in terms of setting the goals and um, do you how much do you stick to them I guess yeah it's interesting because I had a bit of a 
an interesting moment last year um, because, uh, you know, I, I started in 2006, so I, I'd reached the kind of 10 years and my 10 year goals that I'd set way back in 2006, I had vastly exceeded. Um, so I'm kind of, I think, you know, there's a saying, it might have been Tony Robbins, you know, we, yeah. we, we overestimate what we can achieve in one year and we underestimate what we can achieve in 10 years. Yes. I've, yeah. So I've kind of given <laughs> up on 10 year goals. <laughs> what I, I, I do have every year is I have, you know, what am I going to do this year? And then I also have um, a couple of things on my wall. Uh, you know, what, what do I, you know, what body of work do I want to create? Um, I do have a sort of hundred books by 50. So I'm 42. Um, so I want to have a hundred books by 50, um, which is definitely doable. Uh, I've got about 25 at the moment. Um, so yeah. I, is this why I, you've got the third edition of the, uh, the market, but you're going to do a new edition every year. Yeah. New edition. <laughs> do you know what? The, the, that edition took, way i get i i had i budgeted two weeks to do the new edition it took me nearly two months <laughs> well i mean i was thinking i think i read the first edition and i was thinking marketing and especially in publishing and publishing is changes so often yeah it's, it's just changed always so a new well, the last edition was 2014 so and here's another tip people non-fiction <laughs> if you write non-fiction that is based on things that change you have to update it and it's a right pain or withdraw the book whereas fiction you don't have to update so um if you want if you're thinking 10-year goal Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 50-year goals, then consider <laughs> using fiction because you don't actually have to update stories and that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, so so I, that's why I've kind of pivoted in my nonfiction to things like The Successful Author Mindset is a book that I might update, but it won't be because it has technical information in. It's because I might just expand it. Um, but in terms of goals, um, so my goals are, you know, am I creating a body of work that I'm proud of? Am I and the body of work? This is important for you guys. Your body of work includes your podcasts. It, includes the people you help in my opinion um you know it includes everything you're putting out there that um you know people associate with your name so it's kind of your brand um i 
I achieved my goal of of making you know a really good income and my husband left his job uh two years ago now to join the business so that was my other goal and so now we're sort of thinking of the next steps and you know making art and investing so that I can maybe step back from some of the more you know like for example speaking is very tiring for me so I'd like to step back from speaking uh, you know, how, how, what type of life do I want to be living when I'm 50 is kind of what I'm thinking about now. Although that's, it seems really old, but it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's one of the, um, one of the important things that you, that you hit on there. And I think it's something that I've seen a lot with people that do find success is that there are a lot of authors out there, a lot of people out there that tend to just keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward, just every day working on the production. But not a lot of people do take that opportunity to stop and reflect and think, you know, how how is this actually working for me in the long run? What are the things that I want to achieve in X many years? And you seem to, what was, I mean, I've listened to your podcast for I think about two years now. You've always seemed to have that vision of I know what it is I want. Was that something that you've always had or is that something that sort of come over time? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely had that way, you know, at the beginning when I was listening to Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk as well with his Gary Crush v. It, but Yeah, Gary V. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, he's not really my type of person, uh, but that book, Crush It, really helped me think about what I wanted to do with my life. So the emphasis on body of work is really important. Um, so, for example, the romance, and I, I always said I would never write romance. Um, and the fact is, I'm not writing it what happens is my mum writes the first draft and then I basically rewrite it uh, because let's face it I've written you know 24 books I'm writing my 25th she's on her now third book so I can write better language I guess <laughs> I can write better yeah she wouldn't mind me saying that but but doing that is part of you know we want to help our family and I you know she's not the person who's just going to accept cash and so I feel like helping her is also like helping the community and I'm learning things and it's really interesting and people like what this is also a sad truth because you guys like horror right um the, the sad truth is that people love romance and it's so much easier to sell romance than it is to sell dark fiction so it's mm. quite interesting from a marketing point of view but um in terms of being I don't think I have always been um you know, kind of, I, I definitely drown in work a lot of the time. And this is actually a challenge for me right now is I'm, I'm probably spending eight to 15 hours a week doing email right now. Oh, and wow. yeah, I know. And, and that's all, it's all, it comes under the heading of customer support in a way, um, <laughs> because this is, these are people in my community asking questions. And also it's kind of marketing because every email that you do, you know, they might buy a book or you know think about how I can design my life so I don't have to do that much email <laughs> without being you know considered a bit of a dick because you know I'm like oh I don't do my own email <laughs> so so in terms of, I think this lifestyle design is a constant shuffle between what you're doing and where you know where you are now and where you want to be and so I definitely don't get it right all the time I've I'm very lucky or, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to create a living that's based off of writing, but now I'm like, okay, so I don't want the, the email thing has just crept up, crept up. And as you get a bigger audience, you inevitably get more of this stuff. So I'm having to think about processes for a bigger business. 
Mm. And that that type of thing is not is not something that I think is talked about a lot in the author community because most authors don't want a bigger business. Um, you know, so these are, these are some challenges that start to occur. I, I think later on in your author career, I think it depends where you are. If you're still working on your first book or your second book or your even your seventh book, you know, most people who have seven books are still not making that much money. So you know, this is the thing you have to consider what you want to achieve and what you're willing to do to get there and then change course along the way is this uh so recently you, you set up curl up press and um i think i was listening on your your podcast you had a uh, maybe like a realization i think you were over with a uh, dean wesley smith and and Catherine mm. rush and talking about uh go to the, like the small press model is this um what 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 sort of gave you that idea uh, make that choice and uh, and go for small press yeah, so basically up until sort of December, uh, I guess October 2016, I was very focused on digital. So um, ebooks, global ebooks, so wide, um, Kobo iBooks, etc. Um, but and also create space and also audio with ACX. And then I went to um, Dean and Chris's Coast Masterclass, which is in Oregon. And I consider Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush to be like my mentors. They've been around uh, in publishing for like 40 years and they're amazing. <laughs> they're like the fairy godparents of the indies. <laughs> they, they really are. Oh, they're totally my gurus. And um, this year I'm going back to speak at the, the Coast um, workshop. So I'm really excited about that. But basically I sat down with Chris. She's so great I mean they're both just no BS I really appreciate that and Chris is like why are you cutting off a whole load of income stream and discoverability what you know why are you not doing proper print and I was like um okay then (laughs) I, I maybe should do that so and she was like yeah so we set up curl up press so it's like curluppress.com or you can get a dot press domain name so we have curlup.press as well um which is quite cool and yeah so we're now using ingram spark so ingram spark the the main reason to use spark is because they distribute to libraries and bookstores uh, around the world like for example in their last newsletter they announced new distribution channels into china so what you've got to think with Amazon is Amazon is an American company that is often in the news and that a lot of people have problems with, not just uh, readers, you know, some readers and um, people have problems with Amazon. But if you think about whole countries (laughs) who have problems with American companies, then, you know, even though Ingram actually is an American company too, has a British arm and has international partners. So basically the aim of Curl Up Press is to get print books available and selling into these other channels that you're not going to get if you're only publishing with CreateSpace. Um, And it's actually, it's really very reasonably priced. You can also do much bigger print runs. So if you're a speaker, it's a really good idea to work with Ingram because, for example, when I spoke in Australia earlier this year, I ordered like 100 books to get delivered and I only paid sort of $2 a book and they all got, they got printed and distributed in Australia. So it was far cheaper for me as an international speaker to get my books printed through Ingram than, uh, you know, ordering author copies in you know off create space and then getting them shipped for example so that's really important what else um they have lots of promotional opportunities to booksellers so i i just had a, a feature in the last ingram magazine that went out to something like 1500 booksellers in the uk 
so you can you know get involved with that um yes and then and basically in terms of curl up press the idea is that it's a, it's a separate website that represents my books only <laughs> um but uh you know and so what it's not a publishing company i'm not open to submissions <laughs> as such but also with foreign rights um sales it's much better to have a press type website than an author website because you know even though and i'm not giving up on being an indie i'm an indie but a lot of foreign publishers um you know prefer to kind of work with other publishers so if you have a, a official looking site as opposed to hey i'm just an author uh, there might be a possibility to get more interest that way so lots of reasons i've done it but mainly it's kind of like look a lot of people read print so why not maximize yeah. your print distribution also can we yes. just quickly talk about uh, ip because i know that's been a big part of your uh, your recent like mission in the in the podcast, and also um, I just heard that Netflix have bought uh, Miller World, Mark Miller's independent mm. comic book company, which is um, or his catalogue, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, is there anything that you're doing now that you weren't doing like a year ago in terms of getting your IP out there um, into the world? Uh, yeah, and, and thank you, Luke, for being such a dedicated follower. Of my, <laughs> <laughs> my podcast, I'm very impressed. You're you're. Um, <laughs> Yes, yeah, so intellectual property rights, if people aren't really clear, um, you know, definitely when we write a book, we're not writing a book, we're, we're basically creating an intellectual property asset that we can license in multiple ways. And Dean Wesley Smith has a, a good book on this come out recently called The Magic Bakery, uh, where he talks about this in a kind of simple way, you know, having a pie shop <laughs> and with all kinds of things. in. So I definitely had a few pennies drop around that. Um, I would say that one thing I have shifted on, uh, so one, I'm definitely uh, still a big audio fan, but I've done a lot more nonfiction audio in the last year because nonfiction audio listeners are less sensitive to length of audiobook and less price sensitive. So I'm, I'm making a lot more money in nonfiction audio in the last year. I'm also not going exclusive to ACX because uh, in the last year, the exclusivity contract between audible and itunes has lapsed so there are uh, or finished and so there are going to be a lot more audio opportunities for authors coming up in the next year we've seen one with draft to digital and find a way find a way voices in the last few months um so that's kind of audio print as we've talked about i've expanded a lot in the last year um foreign rights i mean i was uh, up until sort of middle of last year i had five languages in various numbers of my books i was uh, working with translators and self-publishing in foreign languages uh, but what i've decided is i just do not have the bandwidth to do that so yeah. now I'm looking at licensing foreign rights, and that's another thing that Curl Up Press is doing. And uh, we've joined the IPG, which is the Independent Publishers Guild in Britain, um, to kind of, and we're going along to their events. So trying to learn from the industry as to how to take books out to market in that way, how to take IP yeah. to market. Uh, also working, as you and I have talked about, with, with a screenwriter on a, a um, adaptation of one of my trilogies, the London crime thriller trilogy. Um, so, and like you mentioned, Netflix, obviously, I think right now everybody wants to get a Netflix deal or an Amazon video deal, um, you know, far bigger than a Hollywood deal really you know yeah. people want, want tv now so so i'm definitely trying to and in fact you know just talking about this selling books is very hard 
And if you look at the Amazon charts or the New York Times or the USA Today, a lot of the books that are in the charts are books that have adaptations. So Game of Thrones, again, is another good example. George R. R. Martin was making decent money, but when the TV show went nuts, you know, he's like multi-billionaire or whatever he is now. <laughs> I mean, the guy is, and it's not all about money, but we all want our stories out there. So I think, yeah, turning your stories into these multiple, multiple things, you know, thinking about, I'd love to get into gaming, you know, lots of things about turning our stories into other IP licensing, basically. I do find that interesting. It's just, it's a whole new way of framing it. Cause I know that, um, especially for myself, when I started writing, when you start writing your first book and you're very much of the mindset of this is going to be a book, but you don't generally frame it as this is a story that could be distributed in other mediums and essentially just could be bigger. I think people get stuck into that mindset of this is one thing I'll move on to the next rather than, because we're looking at the minute with them. We had our first book in our post-apocalyptic thriller, the rot series come out in February. And at the minute we're looking at putting that into audio book and other ideas is for that as well and it's nice to know that you can take that, that one property and sort of make it a lot bigger than, than it just is and again with fiction it doesn't age and again George R. R. Martin you know the first um, book uh, he wrote what like 20 years ago or something and, and in fact Stephen King right now you know the the, the Dark Tower where, you know they're remaking it uh, this is the great thing about stories they don't age so even if you have an old story from years ago you can still look at um, exploiting that intellectual property right but what you just pointed out there is the reason why most authors will sign with a publisher for very little money so <laughs> One of the horrible truths of publishing in Britain right now is that if you're a new writer, you might only get offered £5,000 for your book and you might never see any more royalties. So, and I'm just like, it, it just, it makes me so sad that people would give up their intellectual property rights for that. But as you say, they don't see that. They just think, oh, wow, somebody thinks I'm a good writer and they're actually going to pay me as well. And many writers are signing digital only deals with no advance. So this is what's interesting. It's that how do you value a story? <laughs> this is incredibly hard <laughs> um, or a nonfiction book. And in fact, well, in fact, nonfiction is much easier to value because generally nonfiction authors have a whole back end of products um, that will make them money along the way. I'm just uh, trying to fiction. work out what the uh, uh, was that no advance uh, digital only deal. What what is that? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's for those people who don't want to like upload to KDP themselves. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's basically right. there are there oh are, my goodness. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of digital only publishers around the world right now who essentially are <laughs> upload. Well, and agents are doing it too. So um, agents are uploading their clients' backlists to. Amazon. That's the Amazon White Glove program where agents get a, a bit of a, a kick, um, you know, for, for that. And so, yes, yeah, interesting publishing, traditional publishing is not how it used to be. Now, you know, I absolutely take a traditional publishing deal if <laughs> it was uh, something that was a lot bigger than I could do myself. So, and, and in fact, it's funny, we're talking about this. I mean, I, I know a lot of traditionally published authors and I was in, in a Facebook group today and um, people were talking about how long their books are. So this um, fantasy book I'm doing is will be about 65,000 words, which is kind of the length I generally do. Um, and everyone's like, well, I'm contracted for 100,000 and, you know, I'm contracted for 120. And the fact is you can't actually make more money selling a book that's that much longer <laughs> so i'm like why why would you write a book that's that long when you could write three books and make a box set 
and you know so there are many things we can do as indies that can't necessarily be done in traditional publishing um yeah so it, I, th- I guess it, you know people again comes back to definition of success do you want the pat on the back do you want the kudos do you want random house on the spine of your book um or do you want to living writing uh you know how do you define success yeah one of the um one of the things that i find quite interesting with um so you've released just how long ago was it you released the um market your book third edition uh july i think july 2017 yeah and so you're doing this work with your mother obviously the sweet romance series but rather than use your current existing list of lots and lots of people and obviously we understand why because of pollution of also boughts and everything you've you've started from scratch and you've 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 literally brought yourself back to your 2008-2009 Joanna how have you found that experience and what have you learned through going through that experience especially in a more modern setting um that you've kind of put into that book and what lessons could you give to new writers or writers with no current list that you've you've learned yeah, so it's definitely not original Joanna because this Joanna knows quite a lot of things. So, um, you know, knowledge is everything. So, for example, I set up the author website in about um, half an hour um, and I've got a tutorial at thecreativepen.com forward slash author website if people, you know, need to set up a website. So that's like one thing. I mean, some authors will spend months on website and email lists. I can set up that stuff really fast. Um, obviously, publishing, I use Vellum to publish now. So I'm, and you can also use Vellum for print publishing. I have a team, I have editors, I have cover designers. So when you have a, when you have your processes in place, it can be a lot quicker. But in terms of the, what we did so yes we decided to um, and I haven't announced the name publicly yet so that's why I'm not mentioning it but uh, I probably will in you know in 2018 once things are you know once we have enough books Um, but basically we we are writing a series so but you know following the romance authors like Bella Andre, Barbara Freethy, people who have been making money for ages as indies write a series so that people want to go from book to book so there are you know by the end of a book there will be a happy ever after and there will be a link into the next book so a character that you want to see uh, developed in the next book so that's really important um we're using kdp select so although i'm wide for joanna penn and jf penn in general i have a couple of books that are select but I've gone exclusive with Amazon for the romance pen name because if you are a new author and you have less than three books uh, in general or less than three books in a series then you should probably do KDP select uh, because iBooks and Kobo and Google Play really need a lot more books in order to make it worthwhile uh we're using amazon ads and facebook ads so just paid advertising to get things moving and we have an email list sign up on the website so just basically you can do this if you have a a series with a good cover with well-edited books some paid advertising we're doing print book giveaways on goodreads every two weeks so building up a you know, sort of people on Goodreads, readers on Goodreads, um, getting reviews that way, and then just using KDP Select free days. And every every time a new book comes out, we do ads to the first book in the series. So that's pretty much it. I'm not, I'm, you know, no social media other than Facebook ads. Um, well, we post one picture a day 
on the mm. Sweet Romance pen name uh, page. And but I got my VA to schedule six months. <laughs> worth of that. Wow. So basically, we we don't even look at it. But you need to, in order to do Facebook ads, you need, you need a page. So you have to set up a page. Um, but we're not using it actively, and we're not using any other social media. So it's because because pretty much, you know, I can't manage another active pen name uh i manage jf pen and joanna pen are active and you know i do all the things i do so um this had to be quite passive um i've also in terms of expectation and definition of success my mum has been amazing i try i mean i tried to work with my dad and he was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> but, but my mum is amazing in that uh, i said to her look mum you know we, you might make a few hundred quid but we, you won't make significant money until you've been writing a year and probably until you've been writing a couple of years and you've got say 10 books. Um, so she, she understands that. Uh, and we've got a plan for the series and, uh, yeah, so it's really, it's working really well, but definitely if people are starting from scratch, think about a series in a genre that people actually buy. Um, so we've gone with sweet romance, um, obviously no sex. This is my mom. So, um, <laughs> this is all sweet romance, just a kiss, um, and, uh, very genre specific covers, uh, Amazon ads, Facebook ads, author website with an email sign up. That's pretty much all you need. Wow. That's like the modern equivalent of like me painting the shed with my dad. <laughs> Like starting a publishing company. And, no, uh... no, no, no. It's going to make us a lot more money oh, yeah. than painting the share of your dad. Okay, let's well, you haven't seen this shed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coming back to intellectual property rights, because I talked yeah. about this with my mum too. You know, I said to her mum, you realise that these intellectual property rights would last 70 years after you die. And that actually excites her because, you know, um, we're not a... A traditionally wealthy family or anything so her thought she's very excited to think about leaving um an estate i mean hopefully she's going to be barbara cartland and she's going <laughs> to live for another you know 30 years and just like write hundreds of books um and you know so this is going to make money while she's alive but also after she's gone uh what's, what's your uh, morning routine like joanna and um how do you manage your productivity with your work uh basically i'm at the cafe at seven um, and I do creation in the morning and then I go to yoga or go for a walk and then I do my email and marketing and business stuff in the afternoon. So it's pretty simple, create in the morning, business in the afternoon. Cool. Okay. And uh, just quickly before we, we've got a quick fire round. I don't think, I don't know if we've mentioned that before. Um, but before that, we just want to ask what's next for Joanna Penn and JF Penn and Curler Press? Oh, well, I kind of mentioned it before. So the map book, which still doesn't yep. have a name <laughs> uh, for JF Penn and Joanna Penn, the healthy writer will be out in January 2018, which will be um, covering all the problems, the physical problems that authors have, um, which we found are very many. Um, and a lot of them are very similar to computer workers in general. But yet the healthy writer out in January 2018. Cool. OK, so uh, we've got a very, very fast quick fire round for you. Um, Dan, are you are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> Joanna, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, Dan, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, I'll shoot first. Okay. okay, number one, Amazon or Google? Depends for what? <laughs> number two. Just in general, quick fire. Uh, Amazon. Okay, uh, favourite country you've lived in? England, obviously. <laughs> Seaweed or grass? Seaweed. Fiction or non-fiction? 
That's really hard. <laughs> Fiction. What was the last book you read? Oh, I read a book called Past Mortems, which is all about um, death culture and Bart's Pathology Museum. Awesome if you're a vanilla goth like me. <laughs> uh, the one creative you'd want to meet. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Picasso. What's your biggest hobby outside of writing? Walking. I do a lot of... Um, uh, I've started doing ultra marathons now as well, so I do a lot of long walks. Uh, glass half full or glass half wise men, whatever that means. <laughs> um, glass of gin and tonic, just about empty at this point. <laughs> best answer. What What was the best Christmas present you've ever received? Uh, don't really do Christmas. Uh, my husband's Jewish. All right. Uh, okay. Last question. Uh, would you like to come back on the show in the future at any point? Of course. Hey. <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to you guys. It's been fun. Cool. Uh, so where can we follow you and your work, Joanna? Uh, so come along to thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, and you can get the free author blueprint, which is just, you know, got loads of stuff and, and videos and, and everything. And also the Creative Pen podcast, uh, which has like 300 odd episodes now. Um, so come over there too. And uh, my fiction is at jfpen.com. Cool. And I would definitely recommend a Creative Pen podcast to anyone who's listened to this. I've been listening to it for a long time and it is life-changing. It's a, it's a really amazing Aww. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thanks so much. No Our pleasure. No worries. Thank you. So I just want to say a quick thanks to Disaster Piece for the intro and outro music, ACAST for hosting the podcast, the listeners for listening, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash fork and cleaver. And thanks to Dan, my co-host, for being here because without you, I'd be alone. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> no, and thanks again, Joanna, so much. Thank you. Um, Thank you've got to shoot off, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories? Oh. And did you know? Every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway. Toodle pip. <laughs>